0: The Fontenelle Final Bell podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids, the solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Sure. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins with the Hackett Financial Advisors. And Sean, I'm kind of excited to get to say this, and producers might be scratching their head, but it's nice. To kind of have this norm, you mentioned it before we started final bell. You know, yeah, we've seen some lower grains, but this is supposed to be the norm in August. Harvest lows, some harvest pressure factoring in, so it's kind of nice to have a little bit of normal in the grains.
1: Yeah, I mean, this really is textbook normal seasonal behavior. So long as you know the the crops are looking good and there's no surprises, so there's really no surprise. I mean, most years, you know, we're looking at you know markets heading down into September. When you're looking for the lows, it's just, it's just, you know, not just agriculture, uh, not just grain markets, but we see this in, in all ag markets when harvest is coming, pressure, you know, get, pressure gets applied. So th- this is fairly normal and, 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 you know, of course, some of the data we've been getting from pro farmers, especially on soybeans that look so dramatically better than USDA, uh, currently believes, you know, th- th- this is not a surprise that we would see this kind of weekend near the tail end of August here. And
0: we, so, al- we always seem to see some sort of pro-farmer reaction within the marketplace, especially when they start moving out of, you know, Nebraska into Iowa, southern Minnesota, meeting up with the tour coming in from the eastern side.
1: Yeah, and I think what gives this year a little more gravity is because the crops have developed so fast this year because of the heat, and they're so much, and they're, you know, further along than they normally would be, there's a thought process that these yields actually might be more accurate um, whereas in a lot of years there's still some development to go and there's still to be some wiggle room. There's a, there's a feeling and a sense that you know, they may be pretty close to it this year because the crops don't have that much more to go, uh, given where they're at in the maturation process. So I think that gives these numbers maybe a little more bite than, than they might in, in a normal year. As
0: we look to, to other factors that are being um, looked at in these marketplace, obviously trade, Trump, and the dollar are all another big part of what we're seeing right now.
1: It is. So while all this is, while these while this normal seasonal pattern is going on, we, we have uh talk that we're looking for an imminent agreement between Mexico and the U.S. Imminent meaning, you know, days, not weeks. Um, you know, we, we have the Chinese here, uh, you know, talking again for the first time in a while. And will anything come from that? Will, will any comments be made that we're making progress? Obviously the dollar, generally speaking, has continued to be strong and with the emerging market currencies like the Brazilian Real, for example, which is such an important currency uh, because of Brazil's prolific, uh, you know, exporting of grains uh, being so, you know, so weak here. You know, these are all, um, generally speaking, all been pretty more pretty much uh, getting on the bearish side of the equation, although, you know, maybe some of this uh, trade war, uh, war uh, dealing, could help a little bit here over the next couple of weeks. At least that's what we hope. But but in the end, we still got to digest these big crops. We still got to go through the normal process. And any trade deal, although could bring a bid in for a little while. Uh, hard to think that we're going to overcome large crops until we we put it away.
0: You know, you talk about trade and, and and the workings with Mexico and the anticipation. Then the big question is, how long till China kind of follows along and agrees?
1: Well, I think, I mean, if one, if Trump actually has a master plan, I mean, the master plan was kind of make friends with Europe again, kind of get NAFTA settled, and and kind of put the pressure that you're the only one, you know, that China's the only one that hasn't cut a deal, and they're isolated as the only unfair trading country out there, and of course they're trying to create the idea that they're a legitimate uh, trading powerhouse, and, you know part of the WTO and so I, I think he's trying to put pressure on that everyone else is settled what's wrong with you guys um, whether that's successful or not you know obviously we're going to learn pretty quickly here because apparently if we if Trump follows through on what he says another 200 billion dollars worth of product uh, potentially could be applied uh, another 25% tariff here in September so you know, the, the pressure is really really mounting for China to to do something. And remember, they now need to buy soybeans from us or somehow get it from us because they've kind of bought all they can from Brazil, so they don't have the luxury of not buying now. They, they This is the window where they kind of need to buy from us. So once again, the Chinese have to make a decision of what are they going to do here, how are they going to handle this, and maybe the pressure's enough that they finally come to the conclusion they need to make, cut some kind of a deal here.
0: Well, Sean, you know, like you said, the pressure is there, and there's a lot of anticipation with this meeting that's taking place the last couple of days that we might hear something, even just a little flicker of hope, when it comes to these trade wars.
1: With China, wouldn't take much. It would just take something like we've had productive talks. You know, we're going to send our more senior officials back out, or we've made some progress, you know, anything along those lines. And I do think you get a reaction out of the markets, I agree. I don't think they're gonna come here and leave saying they still made no progress. I think I think they need to make some progress here.
0: Obviously, asking you to look into the future, um some of the readings I've had that have said, you know, boy, we're gonna we could see limit up action just like that if there's any positive news that comes out of China.
1: There certainly could be in certain markets. I mean, like the milk market, for example, or the cat or the the hog market, for example, maybe even the cattle market for example, um certainly the soy market, you know, Limited up to be a whole lot during this time of the year, but, but certainly could be up a lot. And we already saw it just when they when they said they were coming, how the you know to put on you know twenty or thirty cents very quickly. So definitely could see a, a short term reaction. And I, what I would try to say is, if we got that kind of reaction during a period of harvest pressure for those farmers that have old crop supplies that they need to move or new crop supplies that they have that they need to the price so that might be a good short-term opportunity to get some business done if, if, if we were to get that
0: and of course we're seeing some harvest pressure moving in with silage starting chopping later this week and and talk of harvest being two to three weeks ahead of schedule
1: well that's it i mean we're just we're going to get these supplies you know two to three weeks before we normally do and so all that just is putting it's front and loading the the, the harvest pressure situation so normally we'll be looking at it you know into mid late september early october we might be truncating it to late August into the, into the middle part of September where we get the maximum pressure on these markets. And
0: Well, stick around, folks. We have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up in just a moment. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Hey. Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joining us with Hackett Financial Advisors. And you guys know that whenever Sean's on the air with us, we're going to get a chance to talk some dairy. And I think to start out, you know, we hear, Sean, all the time that dairies are shutting those pumps off, those milkers off for the very last time, and the expansion happening for others as they purchase these dairy cattle but for that smaller producer that still wants to stay in the dairy industry where should they be or how should they be thinking about marketing considering the fluctuations we continue to see in these prices
1: well i mean they have to absolutely have a crystal clear picture of their break-even you know, what is their break-even and they have to know what it is and they have to be able to have an action plan to sell that number um At least enough of it to stay alive. I see so many, uh, smaller dairy farmers that have really been on a spreadsheet. They don't have a, you know, a computer program that spits out their cost production. They don't really know where they're at. They just sort of kind of go off with an idea, a concept. And and so they don't really know where they should sell, what price level is really good. And in some, some years they, they think they sold a good number and they they did well, but they actually still sold a lot. So the most important thing is to know exactly where your break even is. And when those prices are given to you, you have to t- you have to take quick advantage of it. So, for example, you know we're, we had a nice rally in Class three Milk today on anticipation that we might get something out of Mexico in terms of a trade deal. Should this lead to some kind of a temporary snapback, maybe a little up day move, you know, but, but, a, but a nice move back into an area where prices would be back to where many of the smaller operators can at least pay their bills. You had better be ready and you had better take advantage of it. You, know, you have to not let those opportunities come and go and not take action. Um, so my, my, my strongest message that I can convey is that preparedness leads to success, especially as a small dairy. A lot of the larger guys can get away with making some mistakes, but the smaller operator has to make the sale at the right time, um, or, or else he's going to fall prey to what many do in these times and that's going out of business.
0: Looking at the, what we're seeing in the, in the rest of this cattle market, obviously they've had some, some triple digit losses, some additional losses that have moved into this market trade. What are your thoughts as we head into reports out tomorrow and the effects that it might have on this market?
1: Well, and everyone's, everyone's referring at these big cattle on feed reports that last couple of days, and that's kind of put a lot of pressure in the cattle market. Also remember that uh, cattle was also catching a bid from, uh, the hog market taking off. You know, hogs last week had a day they were limit up on this African swine fever that has been discovered in China for the very very first time and the thought process is as this disease once it gets going can decimate um, a hog herd and if it decimates the Chinese hog herd like it could that there would be a strong need to replace uh, that meat protein with alternative meat protein in chicken and, and beef and so there was a lot of um, follow through on buying from from that, and, and of course, with the hog market kind of setting back uh, this week on some profit taking, on top of the cattle on feed numbers being pretty bearish, I think most of the animals are thinking about a 4.4 percent above last year. Um, you know that brought some selling into the cattle pits for sure. Um, so I think it was a combination of both the combination of the uh, hog market kind of settling back down from the ASF uh, rally and um, and obviously anticipation of some big numbers out on the cattle and feed tomorrow afternoon.
0: Are we going to see, then, the cash probably take place in earnest after this report comes out tomorrow?
1: I would think so. You know, I mean, I think this is going to be, you know, this is typically going to be an active time for that, and so I would think that we would definitely get some some clear direction post-report on, you know, what the actual real underlying cash market thinks about everything.
0: What about for these hogs? I mean, they, just like, like the soybeans, have been waiting with bated breath for any sort of trade discussion, and especially with NAFTA. Could we see a boost? I mean, another day of triple-digit losses, not what the pork producer wants to deal with.
1: Well, I mean, we know we have big, big supply coming in the fourth quarter, some of the biggest uh, increases year over year, you know, in, in a very, very long time. So we we have that sitting out there, and, and that's known. I mean, there's nothing, nobody doesn't understand that's coming. But, the, but, but we had this distortion last week with this African swine fever that, scared the market, quite frankly, and caused a lot of short covering, and the market spiked up, probably got a little carry away in the short term, and we're kind of unwinding some of that trade. But I think now where we are today, we're back in a position to trade NAFTA and China again, so I think we could be set up for another powerful move back up for what I think right now would be a more appropriate reason. Um, trade deals would would be a direct, immediate benefit, whereas the African swine fever is, you know, maybe is out there six six months from now, but it's not a today thing.
0: Lots to think about. Lots of factors that are being worked into the trade. So obviously, keeping that line of communication open with your commodity broker is first and foremost.
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is a time to be, you know, prepared and know what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, um, and make sure you have the uh, the facilities to do it, whether financially or or the outlets of who you're going to do it with. It's just- Best way for folks
0: to get a hold of you, Sean?
1: Best way to go is to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, and all the information is there about who we are.
0: And that's a Fontanelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.